On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, we're talking family and three layers of football, high school, collegiate, and pros on the docket. All this and more coming up on the Marcus Wall Show, starting right now. Clear the mechanism. This edition of the Marcus Wall Show is brought to you by doing it. It's sure better than not doing it. Back to the show. Welcome into the Marcus Wall Show on this Friday. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's about to be the weekend. And we're going to get you ready for everything you want in the football season. High school, collegiate, and professional. Marcus Walsh here with you from the Bat Cave, home of Kevin Libby. And uh, Kevin, of course, will join me for those three layers of football preview. That's coming up here shortly. But first, uh, as I typically do, have have a monologue and uh, want to talk about something very special that happened within the last few weeks in, the, in my family. Went to the Northeast for the second time in the span of a couple of months and uh, had a great eight days from Boston to New Hampshire to Maine back to Boston as my younger brother got married a few weeks back on August 6th, so uh, the very beginning of this month, and uh, it was it was a great trip. Flight was uh, was very good. It was it was long with the fact that we had to go my mom and I from uh, from Savannah to Boston, and then take a bus from the Boston airport to. Uh, to the Dartmouth Hotel, the Hanover Inn, beautiful hotel. If uh, anybody gets a chance to stay there, please do, because it's just gorgeous. It's really, really nice. And uh, so that was that was the start of the trip. We spent a few days there in Hanover and the Etna area where my brother and sister-in-law live and, uh, of course, had to do a lot of stuff with the setup with the wedding and visiting her um her family very much involved certainly as well and uh got to see my sister and brother-in-law and niece and two of my three nephews as well which was great um been a couple of years since I got to see all of them together uh actually had been several years since I got to see all of them together uh saw my sister a couple of years ago but with the pandemic and whatnot you know it's made things kind of tough. So uh, just a tremendous week, um, you know, helped out with getting ready for the wedding, the rehearsal dinner. Shout out to, to everybody that uh, helped make this possible. Certainly Austin and Tenley, uh, what what an event it was. Uh, speeches were tremendous. The food, oh, my gosh, the food was great throughout the week, Um particularly the rehearsal dinner and uh, the wedding. The, the menus were absolutely fantastic, and it was just great to spend time with, uh, with loved ones for a, a great occasion. Uh, the speeches, you know, rehearsal dinner, there were three of us that spoke, and then I ended up speaking on the night of the wedding right before the salad got served uh, at the wedding reception dinner. And... Uh, 
the speeches just were great. I, I thought I could get through mine without getting emotional. That was not the case. Um, but everybody had, had great things to say. And uh, it's, it's the bond of, of two families coming together. And it's the first wedding that I had been to since my cousins Greggy and Melissa back in 2011. Um, so there was a lot of stuff going around, a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of things to do to get ready for the wedding. Everything went off tremendously well, of course. And then came the trip to Fenway, and we ended up having a great time wrapping up the trip in Boston at Fenway Park. Going to do this for my buddy Kev. And he actually, he and I were texting when I was there uh, at Fenway, of course. Great game for eight innings between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox. And then Boston gave up four runs in the ninth. They ended up losing eight to four. Uh, had a hottie dog there at the ballpark. Actually, uh, I take that back. I had a brat, and it was delicious. And uh, then I had an IPA. And I'm not an IPA drinker, but my sister, by mistake, got me an IPA, and it was really, really good. It was not too hoppy. It was perfectly balanced. Citrus, hops, refreshment. It was cold. It was delicious. And uh, we saw a really good ball game. We got to see someone hit it over the monster in left field. We were sitting out in right center. And so we had a great view of pretty much everything. And uh, it was it was a great game. Got to sing, you know, take me out to the ball game, Sweet Caroline, in between uh, the top of the eighth and the bottom of the eighth there. And just what an experience. Beautiful ballpark. Very cozy. Um, very much... A, a great atmosphere again a great week with uh with family and so much to look forward to going ahead but this was just a tremendous week that uh the Walsh and Struess families were looking forward to for a long long time and uh it was it was everything that we certainly hoped it would be and uh just a, a tremendous way to start the month of August for for me and uh, and our families certainly. What a trip! And it's been busy ever since catching up on on some things with work and uh, and the like. Getting ready for some football, which we're going to be talking about here coming up in just a minute with uh, with Kev joining me. We're going to go high school football first. Kevin and I are going to be mightily involved in that here in the Low Country, so we're going to talk about that first. I've got four teams for y'all to kind of think about in the Low Country as possible uh, possible chances for some deep runs this year with these four teams that I'll mention, and then in the college segment, which will be segment number three, uh, we'll certainly talk college football. Kevin's going to bring the Alabama Crimson Tide to the table. I'm going to bring a whole bunch of other teams, including my four picks for the playoffs and some other very intriguing bowl matchups that I have projected. And then we'll wrap it up with the final segment, talking the NFL. And I've got my division winners and playoff predictions, and I actually stacked everything up, teams one through four, in each division of the NFL 
And um, going to see a lot of similarities this year as to uh, last year, I believe. A few changes, a few sleepers to look out for in both uh, college and the pro segments. And so it's all about family and football. Three layers of it here on the Marcus Wall Show today. And that football dive in, the three layers of pigskin, Kevin and I, we're talking about it next. The music you hear on the Marcus Wall Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions. For low country entertainment production and great value, TBMM Productions, 843-715-1935. Welcome back to the Marcus Wall Show, here from the Bat Cave. Oh, the the cornball jokes. Gotta love them. I am Adam West. That's very good. Marcus back with Kevin here at the Bat Cave. And uh, about ready to start segment number two and the first of three segments dedicated to the pigskin. And, uh... We're going to start off with high school football. A lot of great performances in week zero last week in the area. Um, A couple of them that we will see later on this year. Uh, Jackson Lanier, we'll start off with him having won a championship at Hilton Head Christian Academy. He ended up having a touchdown receiving for 25 yards and on defense, six tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. The running back and linebacker, tremendous first game. Jace Blackshear, his quarterback, 4 of 5 for 124 yards passing, two touchdowns, no picks, two rushes for 30 yards and a touchdown. A couple of tackles, a tackle for loss, interception. Uh, by the way, this info coming from lowcountrysports.com, Justin Jarrett and company, do a tremendous job there at Loco. We love them. That we do. They're they're tremendous. Uh, those are a couple of guys that really stood out to me. We'll see Amari Morris later on this year with Buford, 93 yards, a couple of touchdowns himself. Zyron Odom, four catches, 93 yards receiving. Buford. Is one of those teams, Eamon Smalls as well, Zach Talbert, uh, Kamari Simmons for Bluffton, 80-yard kick return. But Buford is one of those teams that I mentioned earlier. I've got my eye on two teams in the public schools and two teams in the private schools in this area. Buford is one of those teams in the public schools coached by Bryce Librand. They're bringing just about everybody back. They've got Haley still in at QB, and they are just loaded. They they have gotten better each and every year. They are definitely a team to look out for. Looking forward to seeing the Buford Eagles later this year on WHHI. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on, uh, on Buford, Kev. The best thing about Buford High football is their weight program. Yes. For those who don't know, we're talking about Olympic weightlifting champions coming out of the city or small city of Buford. Right. 
the kids that get in the weight room there do know what they're doing. So we're talking about some big D1 bodies getting in the room, learning how to push. Now, for the underclassmen who are going to be getting some opportunities this year, they're going to have to learn the skill set to put those muscles to work. But for the early season, usually Buford's a little bit up and down. But by that midseason, once they know how to gap block, once they know how to trap block, once all the bigs right up front know what they're doing with their hands, look out. They are going to be very, very good uh, for sure. And they ended up having a big first game on a WSAV week zero uh, last Friday night. And it was a big 28-8 to win for them in the state of Georgia as they uh, – they got it. They got it done. Obviously, a, a big key is everybody's got to stay on top of things and stay safe with COVID still out and about and the new variants and whatnot. But look out for the Buford Eagles to be very, very good this year. Um, I also have to give credit, and and we talked about this guy and Jalen Sneed earlier in uh, in the year on the Marcus Wall show fact he's going to Notre Dame is great but the kid still has one more year left at Hilton Head I am so excited to see him later on this year on WHHI TV um, as we will be doing a couple of Hilton Head games and BJ Payne like Bryce Lybrand and a lot of the coaches in the public schools he just knows how to coach he knows how to set a team an organization apart from some of the others there are some players coming back for Hilton Head and I think they are the other team of the two that I have projected to possibly make some deep runs in uh, in high school football here in the Low Country. Gotta love B.J. Payne. Sarah Beachkovsky does a great job as as uh, his assistant with literally everything that he does, and uh, they've got a heck of a program there at Hilton Head yet again. The Seahawks love to fly, so if you like high school football but you want to see that, meh. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a pro offense, but you're definitely going to see a lot more slot receiver sets and a lot more stuff through the air. They really understand how to, how to work those skill positions. It's another team that usually gets better throughout the season because of excellent coaching. When you're talking about these kids rising up to their grade level where they're going to be the, you know, the stars on this team, uh, give them some time to get their hands, give them some time to build some chemistry. But if you like high-flying football. Look out for those Seahawks, especially under the tutelage of B.J. Payne. I had two in mind, but just reading some of the numbers, and, and you never know what Rodney Summers can do. Even look out for May River in, uh, in the Bluffton area. So we've got a Hilton Head team, a Buford team, and a team from the Bluffton area. Really look out for May River. We'll, we'll see them as well. Garvin Douglas, the new quarterback there, formerly running back, can do them both, and do them both really well. He was 5-13 for over 100 yards passing last week, in addition to his ability to run. And he's going to be a big factor with uh, Green leaving for college. And, you know, we we ended up finding uh, Green to be like a Lamar Jackson 2.0, my broadcast partner last year, Don Ellison and I. And uh, look, look for May River. And while I'm mentioning Don... Uh, I mentioned that Kevin is going to be doing some stuff with us, working the camera. I'm going to be the play-by-play voice of WHHI's high school football this year. And uh, joining me will be Daniel Court. And uh, Daniel has experience in, in broadcasting, certainly covering golf for many years and uh, actually some theater experience as well. He and I have very similar backgrounds in that 
realm, and uh, so I'm getting to know Daniel a little bit, and uh, picking his brain a bit, and going over a few things, and really looking forward to kick off here in a in a couple of weeks on September 10th. Our first game will be Thomas Hayward Academy against Bluffton at Bluffton. Rare to see a public school go up against a private school, but uh, that's our matchup week one, and then we'll see Thomas Hayward against uh, Hilton Head Prep week two. Going into those private schools, since I had mentioned three public schools, talk about the private schools a bit, and I've got my eye on both teams that won championships in the private school sector last year, that is Thomas Hayward. We'll see them early and uh, in those first two weeks. They bring a lot of players back. They are just stacked up, much like the other teams I talked about. And Dave Adams does a great job with the program at Hilton Head Prep. And uh, actually, he's at Hilton Head Prep. I should I should correct myself um, in that the head coach of Thomas Hayward. Quick is, note on Dave Adams. In my We'll see him week two. In my very novice opinion, Dave Adams is the best, best coach in high school football that I have ever seen. I think he gets those kids ready. He doesn't always have the most talent, but they're certainly throwing with everything they got. I would run through a wall for Dave Adams, and I've never played high school football for him. Talk, talk about what makes him so great. A great coach builds a certain level of a culture. You know, Coach K is one of those folks who you really understand has a culture that he brings to the table, a certain echelon of integrity. Dave Adams is one of those guys where you know right where his heart is, and you know he's right behind you every step of the way. It's a coach who you just knows is never going to let you down, and the last thing you want to do is let him down. Nick Schufert's the coach of Thomas Hayward Academy. Um, so we'll get to see Nick, and we'll get to see certainly – uh, the great Dave Adams, and coming up, John Hopped, coaching for Bluffton, a very good coach in his own right, certainly. They're in Bamberg tonight. They're in Bamberg tonight. Last week, they, they had a tough loss uh, in the state of Georgia, but yeah, they do play Bamberg tonight, does Bluffton. Um, so I, I really like Thomas Hayward, and I really like Coach Paduzzi and the great program that Hilton Head Christian Academy has up a couple of years ago. People thought of Hilton Head Christian Academy, and they thought of girls, particularly girls basketball. They've got a doggone good football program, too. And Coach Paduzzi did a great job. I mentioned some of the names of guys that played last week and did really well. They're kind of like, these schools are, in a way, kind of like Alabama. They, They just kind of retool, it seems, with really good talent. You see a lot of that down here in the south. You see a lot of it everywhere, but in particularly down here in the south and the low country, um, it's it's going to be great to see uh, to see those two schools in the private sector go out and play and play really well. Paduzzi's got a lot to to stand up for now. They are the defending champs, and they are the champs until defeated. But what a talent Paduzzi's son was, and of course now he's performing in college. But uh, I can't wait to see who steps up. Because that's a great program. We're just like the Hilton Head Seahawks. They know how to throw the ball to the outside, go outside the numbers with it. They really know how to use their, you know, if you want, if you're a skill player, there's a great chance for you to get a lot of touches in that program. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. There is one change to the schedule for WHHI that we have 
this season, and it comes very early. That first game between Thomas Hayward and Bluffton will be our first game on September 10th. Then we have Thomas Hayward against uh, Hilton Head Prep on the 17th. We take the 24th off. Originally, we were going to have Battery Creek and Whale Branch, but due to COVID, that game is not going to happen on our schedule anyway. Uh, whether they are able to play that game, hopefully they, they can later on in the year. We'll just have to see. Um, the rest of our schedule looks like this. Uh, on the 1st, we've got Hilton Head at Beaufort. May River at Bluffton on October 8th. On the 15th, Bluffton at Hilton Head. Buford at Bluffton on October 22nd. Hilton Head Christian Academy at Hilton Head Prep on October 30th. Uh, best of for November the 5th. And then the half-hour season recap on November the 12th. Certainly want to give a shout-out to Bob Stevens. He did a great job at Media Day. Uh, Lisa Richardson as well was there, and she did a great job talking with the cheerleaders and some of the other aspects of the football programs as uh, Media Day was conducted over at FWDG in Beaufort, and it was a great event from what I heard. I wish I could have been there, but I was in the air traveling back here from uh, from the wedding extravaganza. So I really look to go back to the public schools or the private schools real quick. I really look as well for um, John Paul II to be improved and, and certainly a couple other schools in the private sector to be improved also. Um, but I think it really starts with those two that I had mentioned. Hilton Head Christian Academy and Thomas Hayward, I think they're going to be very, very good. Watch out for Hilton Head Prep, though, as well as JP2. Uh, before we go to the college portion of the show, the college segment, I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that I did additionally to getting ready for the wedding and whatnot and uh, talk with my Northeastern guy here. Had a great time playing some pickleball. Had yeah. a great time on the water. Tried lobster for the first time. It was awesome. Um, Sarah Tenley's mom, a tremendous cook. She she made barbecue for us uh, the night before we left to go to Boston and uh, – some of your highlights, obviously, from being in the, that country, uh, being in that part of the country, living there for as long as you did, just things to do, food to eat. Some of your takeaways, being a uh, Bostonian, a New Englander. Marcus, you hit the staples. I mean, my mother's from the South Shore. My father's a miner. You can't get that from here. You got to get yourself a boat with an oar. Way up yonder, uh, we are down easters. So I'm delighted you got to try lobster. That's a good time. You got it on the lake. It was delicious. Lake in the summer. The, yeah. the the only the only problem about the lake was it was a little bit rocky down at the bottom. Oh yeah. Slightly painful. It's not the sands of Hilton Head. I don't no, know. no, 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 no. Also a little bit more chilly on the lake. Oh, it was gorgeous though. Yeah, it'll cool you right off on a hot oh. summer day. And and it was, you know, eighties, whatever when we were there. Oh. So you had so the good. food staples, certainly. And you got to see I, you know, if it's summer in New England. You want a staple like a hoodsy. It's a kind of ice cream from hood. You want definitely a lobster roll, a real lobster roll. When you're in Maine, you got to try Oakhurst milk, the greatest dairy on the planet. Is that Oakhurst? Oakhurst. Oakhurst. Like O-A-K-H-U-R-S-T? If you're from there, you know. 
Okay. Nothing beats. I'm it. obviously not. But you go. You're gonna go visit your. Definitely gonna go back. For yeah. Sure. So you got opportunities. Um. What's the uh, favorite flavor of ice cream? Did you say black? Raspberry. Ooh, that does sound good. Yeah, now New England has plenty of dairies. I, I have a friend from Jersey, and this week she was, I was like, kind of getting into a little bit of an argument with her because she didn't have the concept of what it's like to grow up in a cow town. Cow pastures are just kind of common. Yeah. If you like really good ice cream, fresh ice cream from a New England dairy, you can go up and you can get, you know, the standard New England traditional flavors. Black raspberry being my personal favorite. You can get some chunks of chocolate in there. Oh. And, uh, yeah, black raspberry and chocolate. Sign me up for that. When you're in the Cape, buddy, go down and get yourself a waffle cone. <laughs> have you had I'll, have to, yep. I'll have to check to see if my sister did that because she had extra time. They took two weeks, so they ended up going to New York. New York, baby! They went to New York <laughs> and, uh, and checked out New York, and then they went to the Cape for a few days, so I'll have to check with her to see if she got a waffle cone. And, and I tell you what, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but the IPA. Harpoon. 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 I, I am not an IPA drinker, but Harpoon IPA, Harpoon. Yeah, they balanced so it for good. you. They gave some sweets with the bitter. So good. Um, Anything else that yeah. you want to add? If you're a high school kid and you're listening to this and you see Marcus and I out there covering a game, please, for the love of God, come say hi. Absolutely. We a- love. Anybody that wants to come say hi, come say hi to Dan, myself, Jeremy Pope, Gustavo Ratia, Kevin. I'm up in the press uh, box. Larry... Larry Giacomot will be with us. Larry's great. He's like director slash statistician slash producer. He's extraordinary. Um, thanks to, to all of you folks for uh, helping make this possible. Certainly Wayne Morris, Latia Nelson, the everybody best. everybody with WHHI, Lisa Richardson. The best in the business. Goes on and on and on. But come uh, say what's we're, up because if you're We're listening- very fortunate. We're broadcasting from a pretty small town here. If, yeah. if you are listening to this right now and you see Come us on out by. There, we're not scary. Come say hi. We'll be we'll be the ones in the WHHI shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus will be uh, on the sideline under the tent. I will be up in the press box. Yes. So uh, that'll do it for the high school and continuation of the family wedding portion of the show. This that segment coming up next. We're talking some college gridiron action. Kevin's going to tell you about Alabama, Alabama, and Alabama, and I'm going to tell you about just about everybody else. Not literally just about everybody else, but I've got some bowl predictions and uh, my top four for the playoff, college football. Cue up Herbie and everybody else. (laughs) It's all coming up next. In our next segment of the Marcus Walsh Show. Hey friends, do you like the Marcus Walsh Show? Then you'll enjoy the electric power of my buddy Brad Storm. Check out his reference to us in his YouTube series, Beers from Around the World. For us, he covered Guinness because Kevin and I are as Irish as the day is long. His podcast, Avio's Padded Room, co-starring his cohort, Big Jim Lamance, is available everywhere podcasts are sold. And remember... Punch every day in the face. Now back to the show. Call, call a dog for the parlor. Let me saute with some seasoning. You can call me country Lawrence. Hold on, let that man Welcome back to the Marcus Walsh Show from the Bat Cave, here home of Kevin Libby. And uh, we have talked the high school portion for the Low Country. More family and other stuff coming up throughout the broadcast as well. But now it's time to dive into section two 
of our three-layered pigskin present bean, for y'all. Like a bean dip? Three-layered pigskin, trying to think of something, prognostication. There we go. Three-layer pigskin prognostication. That's perfect. Um, and that's college. And uh, Kevin, myself, and Vegas have these four teams in our college football playoff. I almost put Oklahoma in, but I took a look at their roster, and they're going to be close, but they're going to be just on the outside going out. Sugar Bowl is not a bad consolation prize for them, by the way. Um, Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, and Georgia are the four teams that Kevin, myself, Vegas, and probably a bunch of other people have in this year's college football playoff. Especially where we live. Everybody's Ohio State or Georgia. Go dogs. I guess Clemson, too. And I have Ohio State actually, you know, bringing a new quarterback in, but they still have tremendous receivers. They've got a good running game. Their defense needs to get a lot better, especially on the back seven side of things, or the uh, back two layers of it, the linebackers and the secondary. Um, but I've got Ohio State as my number one team. I'm going maybe a tad bit of a homerish pick there. I've got them in the Orange Bowl facing the number four Georgia Bulldogs, who I think are very improved the last couple of years. Very strong team. Uh, I've got them beating Georgia. If I can just throw on there about those dogs. I think sure. JT Daniels' mustache, it's already worth more in NIL than Shabazz Napier's entire meal plan when he was at stores. J- <laughs> JT Daniels is is tremendous. And look out another quarterback um, – this one at USC, Keaton Slovis. Look out for Keaton Slovis as well from Southern Cal. Um, and then you've got uh, – so I've got Ohio State and Georgia in the Orange Bowl. I've got Clemson, the number two team, taking on the number three, Alabama, in the Cotton Bowl. And then I've got Ohio State over Clemson. I think, you know, last year, the last couple of years have been very much Ohio State's on the brink. I think this year, full season, they get it done over Clemson. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. Those, d- those are my four. I don't. Alabama's defense is insane. They they are pretty dang insane. I looked at their offense, and their offense has – and they still have great players on offense. Mechie and, you know, a couple of running backs, a couple of receivers that are, that are still there. Um, Bryce Young is looking to just elevate himself to quarterback. Alabama's going to be really good. Um their defense is really where they make or break Insane. a lot of the time. Good and luck passing on anybody in that secondary. Moreover, Bryce Young has already received, according to Nick Saban, over a million dollars in name and likeness revenue. Whoa. Wow. So where would you want to play college football? Because QB1 in Alabama seems pretty lucrative. Wow. That's, that's insane. That's, that's something It's else. a whole new ballgame. Uh, who do you have Bama going up against in the uh, semis? I have Bama Clemson, and then I have Georgia coming out of the other side against, against Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, so the, even same matchup as me. Yeah, just apologies. So sorry about the uh, the OH. No, no problem. We'll we'll see how it how it ends up. But your result is different in that you have a uh, Alabama roll tide rolling on to victory with with the elephant mascot and. Everybody. A lot of it's because I can't figure out how to say DJ's last name. 
Ui Ungalale is the best way I found to pronounce it. Say that three times fast. Just like Yannis. I can't act like I'm not impressed. <laughs> just like Yannis. Thank you. Just like. Yeah. But, but I'm Tatakumpo. We're going to learn it because he's going to be a stud. Yes. Um, I actually, and I forgot to jot it down, but uh, Heisman Trophy sure. candidate is D. Uh, there are a lot of them. But DJ Uyunglele is definitely <laughs> one of them. Um, I do you have a pick for the Heisman Trophy? I think somebody's going to surprise us. I bet it'll be a running back. I mean, we've had seen a quarterback for a while here. I, I think it's going to be a back behind a great line that we haven't figured out yet. Because as much as we're seeing turnovers in these bigger programs, I wouldn't be surprised there's some team out there with an offensive line that's just bigger, more veteran, and get some kid the insane amount of numbers that we can't resist giving him the Heisman. I actually was thinking quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. All you talk about is quarterback. And then I'm like, hmm, my national champion has a couple of wide receivers that are pretty doggone good. I'm going to go with Chris Olave out of Ohio State. So let it be spoken. So let it be done. My prediction for the Heisman Trophy, Chris Olave out of Ohio State. It's a pretty good prediction. I'm going to go with Brian Robinson, Alabama. What uh, what position is he? I believe he's a back. Okay, there he is. Yeah, junior. Why not? I mean, we might see Illy out of Ohio, you know, Ole Miss. Might surprise us. Uh, there's a lot of good backs out there. Frank Gore Jr. certainly has a name we recognize. Yeah, no doubt. Even Tyler Aguilera, BYU. Why not? Yeah. Talk about a guy whose name I'm saying wrong, but uh, Allgaier. Brigham and Young, if you're going to go to BYU – Obviously not for the late-night parties, but for some serious college football. Good on the kid. That's the kind of grit and grinder you might see running up some numbers better than we expect. Taking a look at this list that Kevin has in front of us, Brees Hall is another guy to look out for at Iowa State. I was making these bull predictions. I completely forgot about Iowa State. I'm like, i got to put them somewhere. True story. Matt Campbell, head coach of Iowa State, went to Maslin Perry High School, played on the football team, and uh, a few years before I was there, um, like 10. I, I think he actually graduated with my cousin Jenna in, oh, no in like 1995. Um, I believe that's correct. Uh, but yeah, he, he almost became the head coach at Perry and then the job at Iowa state popped up, you know, there could be, could have been a chance that he would go to Ohio state. He's doing great stuff with the Cyclones. They are a possible sleeper to make a big time run, but also a sleeper in the big 12, in my opinion, <coughs> excuse me, in a way, they're a sleeper just because of how things have kind of shaked out the last couple of years or shook out is Texas. I think Texas is going to be really good this year. Maybe not quite as good as Oklahoma, but neck and neck. Texas and Ohio State, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> Texas and Iowa State, two schools known for producing tremendously talented offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And we know this very well. A lot of times it's not about the back. It's about the space. You can drive a truck through some of those holes. Right. Uh, with that, I'm going to read off some of these games that I picked. Typically, I go through every team, look at rosters, schedules, pick winners for the conferences, Heisman winner, obviously, national championship, top four teams, whatever the case may be. I didn't go that in depth this year. I just picked, you know, 13 or so bold predictions, a lot centering around the Big Ten the ACC, the SEC, 
couple of Pac-12 and Big 12 schools in there from the games that I chose, but there are entirely there are in my opinion entirely too many games entirely if I could say that word right. There are entirely too many bowl games. They could cut it down to about 30 and that'd be good. They're well over 40 at this point. Marcus, you sound like someone that wants to decrease college football television revenue. Be careful what you ask and, for. And and it's and it's it's true. It's just I mean, and I, I'm just kind of speaking primarily from the kind of marketing standpoint, some of the names and, and stuff of them. The Tampax it's, Extra Coverage Bowl. <laughs> they're they're Tamp- great. It's more football as a broadcaster. You know, I watch it. I love it. All this stuff. You get to see these guys. But, I mean, man. The Tostitos. This kind of chip and this chip alone bowl. Don't forget about the salsa and guacamole. Exactly. Yeah, right. I like the Tampax with Wings Ultimate Championship fight down from that great bowl destination, Alaska. Yeah, right. Um, The Sugar Bowl, when the Sugar Bowl is not a host of a playoff game, it's a Big 12 versus SEC school. I'm going OU in Florida. I thought about going somewhere else in the SEC. I couldn't because Florida, I think, Outside of Alabama and Georgia, they're the class of the SEC. They're the third best team in that conference, in my opinion. Got them going up against Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a, a good game to watch. The Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. When I think of Pasadena, I think of none other than the late, great Keith Jackson and all the years he called the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin and the University of Southern California. That's my pick for the Rose Bowl. I could do my Keith Jackson impression until the cows came home, um, but I won't. Is there an O in Oklahoma? Oklahoma! I liked it. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, yes, Oklahoma and Florida, Wisconsin and USC and Keith Jackson. When you think of the University of Southern California... He's, he's right there, no doubt. The Fiesta Bowl, I almost took a Pac-12 team in here going up against Texas. When, when I hear Texas, I think of Brent Musburger. Texas! Just he lays it out there for you. I like Texas to go up against the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Watch out for Sam Howell. I've been on this guy's case the last couple of years. He is super talented, really good. Mac Brown's going to have a good team and a, and a very good squad uh, and year for uh, North Carolina. Got them in the Fiesta Bowl against Texas. The Peach Bowl, I've got Iowa State. We talked about Matt Campbell. We talked about uh, Brees Hall, some of these guys that Iowa State has. They're, they're great. Last year, they took on, I believe they took on Iowa State, or uh, they took on Notre Dame in the bowl game last year. No, I take that back two years ago because Notre Dame ended up playing uh, Alabama last year in the playoff. That didn't go very well. Um, Still pretty cool to have that school in oh, that Final Four. Without question. And and that was, albeit it was a little bit strange because it was in a different environment, that was the Rose Bowl last year. But they didn't have it at the Rose Bowl because of the fact that they wouldn't have been allowed to have fans there. So yeah. they ended up playing in Dallas at, uh, at the Cotton Bowl, but still labeled it, of course. And it was the Rose Bowl, but it was the Rose Bowl from the Cotton Bowl. Kind of kind of funny, but 
it got the job done. Apologies to everyone who likes to watch the parade. Right, absolutely. Um, so I've got Notre Dame and Iowa State. Should be a great matchup. They met a couple of years ago in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. The Gator Bowl, I've got Miami and Kentucky. Miami, ACC, possibly the winner of the Coastal. It's going to be between them and North Carolina, I think. Um, we know that Clemson's going to win the Atlantic. A lot of people are really high while I'm talking about the Atlantic real quick, and they're not in this list of games that I picked. Some people are really high on Florida State this year. Sure. Seminoles, baby. You know, me, I'll see it when I believe it. They've been really tough the last few years to watch, and uh, I think it's Clemson's division in the Atlantic to win. It's all about recruiting. Yeah. In the uh, Duke's Mayo's in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I ended up seeing this game uh, back in 2015 when North Carolina State ended up playing a very good Mississippi State team led by Dak Prescott, and Dak just ran and threw and was nuts that day. Saw Kerry Underwood, saw the football game. It was raining, but I was with my parents and my aunt and uncle, Chip and Rita and Charlotte, with that game. It was It was great. I've got NC State going back to that game, but I've got them taking on Auburn out of the SEC in uh, in that one. The Sun Bowl, Virginia Tech versus Oregon. There's going to be points aplenty in El Paso, Texas. Brad Nessler's probably going to get hoarse because he's just going to be called, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Up and down the field, those two teams should have a great game as uh, my projection. The Outback Bowl, Texas A&M and Indiana. Figure a pretty good matchup. SEC West meets Big Ten. Citrus Bowl, Penn State and LSU. Rematch from several years back. They've had some epic battles, especially in uh, in bowl season. And then the uh, final one that I have is the Alamo Bowl. Between UCLA and Oklahoma State. UCLA and Oklahoma State should be a, should be an interesting matchup. I look for big things. UCLA getting a little bit better as, uh, as time goes on. Oklahoma State, very good quarterback in Spencer. Very good football team. Obviously losing. Um, Hubbard was big because he was a huge part of that offense, but... I look for Oklahoma State to do some things in the Big 12. I like Pac-10 football. I still like the Stanford Cardinal, and I like Cal. Berkeley. Stan- right. Stanford and Cal. Um, <clears throat> how, how about that uh, the band is on the field moment? <laughs> well, that's yeah, something, you're, something you're, special. You're going to be known for something. It might as well be ridiculous. Who uh, Who's your favorite Pac-12 team, your favorite Pac-12 moment? Got to be Rose Bowl 2005-06 with Vince Young in Texas going up against USC. Matt Leiner in USC. Talk about the late, great Keith Jackson. That was yeah. the last game that he ever called for uh, for ABC. And uh, Well, Reggie Bush still deserves his Heisman. I think we can both agree with that, especially with NIL coming the, back. The Bush push against Notre Dame, that one, that one know, tugged at my heart. I'm oh. all, I am always going to be a Vince Young fan for how much fun it was to watch Texas be a complete underdog. Because I did not like USC under Pete Carroll. Because obviously, in case we forgot, by the way, Pete Carroll had to leave USC. They were right. paying players to, pe- to play. Yes. 
And, of course, he went to the Seahawks like nothing happened. Everyone moves on. You see that in the NBA, too. Who's the guy that was coaching the Pistons that had the uh, the money issue? Um, I shouldn't stretch like that. But the point is, there's a lot of college programs that are clearly paying players. Right. It was fun to root against them until it became legal. What is your favorite college football memory of of all time? I'm going to put you on the spot. Well, I'm going to be a wicked homer. I figured you would be. And that's going to be Miami Hurricanes, Boston College, Flutie. And were you a... You no. weren't quite alive when well, that fine. happened. Well, fine. You want the thing I... Close. I've, fine. For my but, generation... Well, I mean, it's okay, but let's let's go your generation as well. Do you remember when Boston College in 1993 defeated the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? I do not. All right. Well, I do. I, I had not become quite a football fan at that point. In 2004, I saw the Boston Red Sox win a World Series, and all the people that always told me, you're never going to see the Sox win a ring in your lifetime, uh, got to eat it. The same was true when Boston College would go up against their rival, Notre Dame. And so in 93, I would watch every football game I could. But that was the game where the same thing. Uh, I, I'm Roman Catholic, and so that's a big game in, my, in our community. And uh, No doubt. Everyone's saying, oh, they're going to roll. You know, All my friends just watched Rudy. I had a next-door neighbor wearing a Notre Dame sweatshirt outside of Boston. Sacrilege. Long story short, all my buddies even are rooting for Notre Dame because they're expecting him to win. They just watch Rudy. And I'm like, no, guy. Ah, yeah. And sure enough, biggest upset of the year. It was awesome for us. Sorry, I'm happy you don't remember it for your sake. <laughs> we are going to have to get together for a Notre Dame-Boston College game. Deal. Going to have to do it, yeah. Two two Roman Catholics, one one pulled for the Irish, one pulled for the Eagles at, at Chestnut Hill. That That is an awesome-looking stadium yeah. there at Chestnut Hill. Um, a stadium that I would also love to visit as well is uh, Nebraska. Oh, God, yeah. Lincoln. Sea of Red. I miss I miss the days and Nebraska's Nebraska battling in the Big days. Ten. I'm missing the days of Nebraska, Colorado on the on a Black Friday, ABC 3:30 kickoff. I'm missing those days in in the lore that is Nebraska football. But so is Nebraska football fans. Cause, yes, yeah, yes. I, I get no, it. I have no doubt of that. Yeah, they're now they're just back to husking corn. <laughs> That will uh, that'll do it for this segment. Hey, Marcus, as we get ready to move along to the, the next level, how much does a pirate pay for corn? Let me tell you, a buccaneer. Ah, I knew a buck was in there somewhere. How are those buccaneers going to fare? I think they're going to fare pretty well. We're talking the NFL next. Hey, sports fans, do you live in the low country of South Carolina? Well, if so, be sure to check out the WHHI TV Bowl series. Marcus Walsh is the golden voice of WHHI sports. Games air 10 times per week on WHHI TV, available on Hargrave Channel 8 and 418 HD, Spectrum Channel 3, and everywhere on the WHHI live stream on YouTube. If you're watching a bowl game in person, be sure to come say hi to Marcus and I. I'll be working a camera while Marcus holds down the call beside his color guy, David Court. Come be a part of the action with WHHI Sports. Back to the show. Welcome back to the Marcus Wall Show from the Batcave. Batman. The whole shebang. Marcus and Kevin back with you, and we've got one more layer 
We're two layers deep into this football extravaganza of prognostications and opinions. We've got one more layer to go, and that is the NFL. And uh, I'm not sure how far you got, Kev, but I have my four teams in order for each conference, uh, or I should say each division of the two conferences, the AFC and the NFC. And then my uh, my playoff projections, Super Bowl projection. Um, I did not pick an MVP. Let's start there, much like we did with uh, with the Heisman. Who is your MVP this year in the NFL? No surprise. Pat Mahomes. I think... I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb, ever so slightly. Not pick Pat Mahomes. I think Devontae Adams, the Green Bay Packers, are going to have a great year. And because of that, and because of the turmoil and whatnot that is put behind them for a year... I'm going to go my MVP for the 2021-22 season is Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go with A-Rodge. That's a great pick. Maybe a little bit off of what other people think, but I'm going to go, and I've got them in the NFC Championship game, so I think he's going to have a great year. Going to go with Aaron Rodgers, MVP. In the, in the MVP voting, a lot of it has to do with the storyline and to the disadvantage of Pat Mahomes. He's the overwhelming favorite because right. of the, the supporting staff. Yeah. You look at a team with some drama where it would be surprising to have someone come out. Never mind the fact that Rodgers definitely could have won it either the last couple of years here, especially sure. last year. Yep, no doubt about it. In the AFC, I have the – always start with the East. That's just me. The AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills winning that division. Don't think it should be too terribly difficult for them to do that. I've got the New England Patriots. Mac Jones, I believe, will be starting for the New England Patriots. I've got them finishing in second. I've got uh, the Miami Dolphins finishing in third. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. You're shaking your head. You think the New York Jets are going to finish in third? I still love Trey Lance. I'm sorry. He's, he's in San the, Francisco. i got to learn. Who's the other one? Uh, Zach Wilson? Uh, 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 uh. Zach Wilson right. is in New York. I'm I'm paying. This is a weird thing, Marcus. Now that I think Trevor Lawrence might have been overrated, I'm really pulling for the guys that went after him. Not just because I love Mac, but I think the Jets might surprise some people. Okay. So I've got the Jets finishing in fourth, Miami third, uh, New England second, Buffalo winning that division. Uh, Buffalo's stacked. Where Where do you have the Jets finishing in in third? Then right. And Miami fourth? Mm. I would, yeah. I mean, my heart says put the Pats up there. Uh, my brain says the Bills are going to roll. It's one of those divisions where it's going to be more competitive than it has been in years past. Because I think Brian Flores is a great coach. Miami's he is gonna, a good coach. He's going to shock some people. So if you don't have that system, you know, some if you can't handle that defense, they're going to surprise some people. The Jets, I think, are still a four or five win team, but they can still beat some good teams in those four or five wins. Sure they can. I think the Patriots are probably an 8-10 to 10 win team, and the Bills are going to win 12. Okay, so 
you just have things possibly flip between the Jets and Dolphins. Yeah, mostly with you. Although yeah. maybe someone will surprise us. We'll see. In the AFC set or in the AFC North, I have the Baltimore Ravens finishing in first, the Cleveland Browns in second. I know I said months ago, around the time of the NFL draft, who knows? Cincinnati may edge out Pittsburgh. Not happening. Pittsburgh will finish in third. Cincinnati in fourth. It's the Ravens and the Browns and then the other two teams. I think the Ravens and the Browns are so much better than those other two teams are. A lot of concerns with Pittsburgh. And I think Cincinnati's going to be improved. Obviously, it depends on the health of Joe Burrow. But uh, Ravens and Browns, the top two, and uh, both both will get into the playoffs. We'll get into that in a bit. Agree. On to the south in the AFC, and that would be the Tennessee Titans leading the way. And then I've got the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I think I have Houston... I have Houston edging out Jacksonville for the seller spot, believe it or not. Um, could be a long season in uh, in Jacksonville. And I typically I do records. I didn't do records. I just picked the teams that I think fit the best. Um, so Tennessee, Indy, Houston, Jacksonville, we'll see. I would not be surprised if you have Houston and Jacksonville reversed but certainly think you would have Tennessee and Indy ahead of them. That's exactly right. And I also would note the AFC East, every team in the East is better than the bottom two teams of either of those last two divisions. But I, I am kind of rooting against the Jags, and I feel bad for that, but I want to see Lawrence and Meyer just burn. I don't think that either of them are as good as advertised. We'll see. Going to be very interesting. And in the West, I actually surprised myself. I have the Denver Broncos finishing in second place and making the playoffs in the West – as a wild card, and uh, of course I've got Kansas City in first place, spoiler alert, and Denver, and then the Las Vegas Raiders. Have you heard of this kid, Justin Herbert? And the Herbert. Los Angeles Chargers. I have, but there is not much else, in my opinion, on that that's, roster. Uh, that's around him. That's the problem. I mean, they've got a few really good players, and Justin Herbert's outstanding, but collectively there's not enough around him yet do you remember in the 90s when we watched dan marino again, again my opinion the 90s marino dolphins yeah we'd watch him be incredible and everyone else not be incredible i think justin herbert's in that situation where he's probably a top 10 quarterback at this point especially for a very young kid that's darn impressive but he does not have a defense i think next and that's that is exactly the thing i think next year could be the year possibly where the Chargers take off. And you, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you, Marcus, but my God, that's just how you want to do it when you're developing your quarterback. The same way Peyton came out and threw more interceptions than any other rookie. You want to have your quarterback playing from behind and throwing the crap out of the football because even though you're going to lose, your quarterback's going to get so much experience from always having the chance to throw the ball downfield. And I think going back to Denver real quick, I think with Teddy Bridgewater likely going to be the starter in Denver, I am so high. I, I talked about it earlier this year around the draft time. I am such a fan, and I am so high on Javante Williams out of North Carolina. I mentioned Sam Howe earlier today. 
Javante Williams was his running back, and a damn good one. Javante Williams has a chance, I think, to be really good. That's part of the reason I've got Denver in the playoffs this year um, as a wild card team. Uh, I I really think those two guys are going to set that offense off, and uh, and they're going to do really well. Moving on to the NFC, the East, I've got the Cowboys, the team that had, in my opinion, the best pick of the entire draft, getting Micah Parsons out of Penn State. We are Penn State. Come to Penn State. Doing my best, Joe Paterno. May he rest in peace. Um, I've got them finishing in first. I've got the Washington football team in second, who is kind of like the antithesis, in my opinion, of the Chargers because they've got a quarterback situation that isn't quite as polished or whatever, but the pieces around, especially defensively, are better off. I think Chase Young has a chance to be in that MVP category race defensively. You name it, I think he's he's a beast. Potential and defensive player of the year for certain. Defensive player of the year without question. Uh, up there with guys like, I think, Michael Parsons and a few others, certainly. Um, you, you can't count out the Bosa guys mm-hmm. as well around the league. And um, so I think Dallas and Washington are, are the two teams to beat in that division. And uh, Philly and the New York football giants, third and fourth, respectively. Going to be an interesting year for the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got some talent. Um, can, they, can they make things work there at quarterback with Jalen Hurts? Going back to Indianapolis in the AFC real quick, we'll see what Carson Wentz does as he moved from Philadelphia to Indy. I like that move. Yeah, I like Indy getting, more than you getting do. Getting right. I like Indy back. quite a bit. So we'll see uh, We'll see what happens there. In the north, as Chris Berman once liked to say, the NFC North Division. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the north, I like the Green Bay Packers. Big surprise, being that I said Aaron Rodgers is my MVP. Uh, Devontae Adams, beast. Aaron Jones, beast. Aaron Rodgers, back. Hallelujah. That's, that's what the Green Bay Packer fans are singing right now. Um, who knows if he'll be back next year, but he's back this year, and that's all that matters for, uh, for the Cheesehead faithful. Shout out to my dentist, uh, Dr. Joe. He is a Cheesehead fan. Dr. Joe Miller over at Belfair Dental, and uh, did, a, did a great job on me the other day. You got to be true to your teeth, or they'll be false to you. Very good. I like it. That's my granddad's and, joke. And he would he would like it too. He and his dad Stephen both. Um, so I I like the uh, Green Bay Packers. Funny how we went from talking about cheese to talking about dentistry. But I uh, I like the Green Bay Packers to win the division. Finishing in second place, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. You got Kirk Cousins, a team that kind of like the Chargers have been lately, and a few others. They're so good. And they're so on paper. You think this team's gonna be good? I like and that. They just, it's a good defense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a good defense. It's a good team. They just gotta get over the hump. Kirk Cousins in a dome. Good defense. I'm yeah. not scared of them. I'd say they're a 500 team. It's gonna be gonna be fun to watch Minnesota, and then uh, the Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions rounded out in the NFC North. If I can keep picking on Trevor Lawrence, I just want to note that Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, Bersh are at plus 5,000 for Super Bowl odds, and the Jags are at plus 10,000. And I, uh, wow. Mm-hmm. How about that? 
Thank you, Vegas. I have Chicago over Detroit in the north, so we'll see what happens there. In the south, I've got Tampa Bay, who I have making a very big run. Spoiler alert for a few minutes from now. Uh, and then New Orleans. I'm going to take Atlanta over Carolina. That's the order of things. I am As an Atlanta Falcons fan, I am so excited and so looking forward to seeing Kyle Pitts play. I almost took him in my fantasy draft the other night, and I I held off and somebody else grabbed him. Um, I got Matt Ryan as my backup quarterback, so I've got one Falcon on my team. Um, got Russell Wilson as my starting quarterback. I, I see big things out of Seattle, but um, we'll see what happens in Atlanta. But I, I really like Tampa. I'm going to give New Orleans the slight edge with uh, with what they have coming. It, Jameis Winston's got to cut down on the turnovers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Marcus, this is a very competitive division. And, and just like you, it's tough to be a homer because those Falcons are playing against some very competitive teams in the yeah, division. I really like Carolina. I really like, you know, the Saints, what they have going on. I think the Falcons, the Saints, or Carolina, one of those teams is going to be a playoff team. Okay. I have three teams, and, and we'll see what happens in Carolina. I think that uh, – the move, getting Sam Darnold in Carolina, going to do him a world of good. I actually have three teams in the West, including my sleeper for the year in the NFC West, making the playoffs. Seattle, I was just talking about Russell Wilson. The guys that they have, they're loaded again. Russell Wilson was in a similar spot with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers with, with some feuds and, and stuff throughout the year um, in the offseason. Looks like everything's under control, and uh, things are well in Seattle with uh, with fish in the Space Needle. So things look good in Seattle. I've got them finishing in first. In second place, I have the Arizona Cardinals, who when moves were being made, I thought, nah, this, this isn't going to work. They're loaded, and they're my sleeper this year uh, in the NFL to really wake up and prove some things to some people. I don't have them getting very far in the playoffs. I have them making the playoffs, though. Then uh, I've got the L.A. Rams making say, the playoffs. You do not sound like a Sean McVay fan. As they well. Are, yeah. They're they're in third place. That's a wacky it's, pick. It's going to be it's gonna be interesting. I'm, I'm going out on a limb a little bit with you, Arizona. You just put Arizona over the Rams. I did. I did. And, and then the fourth place pick is uh, – is the San Francisco 49ers with with Trey Lance and I I did and and you're not you're not buying any of it and and that's okay. Well, I'm not a big Sean ah. McVay guy and so my heart says, sure, they could just, you know, have a culture problem and tank. I wouldn't bet them, but I don't see what you see in the beauty of that Arizona Cardinals team. Although I do think they have I a see. great quarterback. I see Kyler Murray being able to throw, being able to run. They've, they added some pieces at wide receiver. They they still have DeAndre Hopkins, who is an absolute animal. Larry Fitzgerald's locker is empty. Larry Fitzgerald's locker is empty. And I hope for morale and whatnot, he decides to come back. But, I mean, he's on the end of his career anyhow. I'm not saying he was a difference maker. I'm saying for a team that's used to losing, he was a winner. I got it. I like it, Marcus. I like that you're bold. And the LA teams, I, I think they have a lot of skill set players, guys on the outside that can make things happen. 
as long as J.J. Uh, Watt can stay healthy, he's got a chance to really help that front line of that defense. I, I really like some of the skill guys, and I, I think that they're moving in the right direction. I was, I was so against it at first, but as the offseason continued to progress and whatnot, I thought, you know what? This team might have a chance. I'm going to give it to them. Different team in the West. Back to the AFC. Give me an over-under for wins on the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders. Because um, you love the Broncos. I, I am surprisingly, kind of like the Cardinals, I'm surprisingly high on the Broncos as we're deep into preseason now. Um, the Raiders. I will go figure Kansas City around, let's see, it's 17 games around 12 to 13 Maybe they're playing like Kansas City twice. They're playing the Chargers to twice. Ten, nine to ten yeah. from the Raiders. No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going Kansas oh, City, Denver. I'm, I'm doing them in order. Um, Is, I'll say uh, they're gonna win four games. You're gonna say six. I'll say six. I'll say six. I don't think there's six teams the Raiders can beat out there. Are the Colts a playoff team? Um, I have the Colts as a playoff team. I do. I have them as the last playoff team from the AFC, uh, which they were last year as well. Me Seven too. seed. Yep. Um, I will get into those right now. I've got Kansas City getting the bye in the AFC. Again, with seven teams as opposed to six, the first seed gets the bye and two through seven play in that first week of three wildcard games. So I've got uh, Baltimore – Going up against Indy in, in one game. I've got Baltimore winning that. And then Buffalo going up against Denver. Denver, my sleeper. They're not getting past the uh, Buffalo Bills. And then Tennessee against Cleveland. I've got Cleveland with an upset over the Tennessee Titans. And Tennessee's going to be loaded. You got Julio. Where in the world will Julio Jones play football? It's going to be great seeing him in Tennessee with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, and certainly Ryan Tannehill. Good luck to Ryan Tannehill uh, certainly getting over COVID as he was just diagnosed. That team is ravaged with yeah. COVID. Um, so hopefully everything goes well, and that includes Mike Frabel, the great Ohio State linebacker from back in the day. Um, so hopefully they all get well and everything goes well. So I've got Baltimore, Buffalo, and Cleveland winning in those first-round games. So Baltimore then would take on Buffalo – and I've got the Baltimore Ravens winning, and then a rematch, and that's a rematch from last year. And then I've got Kansas City taking on Cleveland, and as much as I might want to take the Browns because of my you know, support for the team, I'm going to go Kansas City, and then it's Jackson and Mahomes matchup. What are we at, like seven now? And I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Again, it's the new Brady Manning. I re- yes, absolutely. And I really like what Baltimore did, even though I have them falling short in adding some pieces as wide receivers and guys that can play around Lamar Jackson. I thought Sammy Watkins, that addition was outstanding. Huge. I am. A lot of people are not high on Sammy Watkins. There were some that weren't high out of him at Clemson. I still really like the guy. What, what's not to like? Honestly, thank you. I think he, I think he's really good. He's a game changer. And if you're playing outside the numbers, be a game changer. He might be, and he's not a number one receiver, might not even be a number two receiver, but he's, in my opinion, like a solid three, four. 
even on five wide receiver sets, he's a damn good fifth wide receiver, too. The guy gets open. He makes plays. What else do you want from your wide receiver? Honestly. Honestly. I watched him for years in Buffalo, and he tore us up. We had such a good second. I'm talking about we. Patriots had this tremendous secondary. This back in the years when we had, uh, like, Butler was the backup to the summer two to Steph, uh, Stephon Gilmore. And, you know, we had some tremendous safeties, Logan Ryan. We had, of course, the McCoy twins. We just had this excellent secondary, and we could not cover Sammy. Yeah. So much, uh, much fun there, certainly. And when was he in Buffalo? Sammy Watkins? Because he, he was with Kansas City. I'm thinking that he only played in KC. I could be wrong, but, uh, huh. Let me get to the years. All right. Um, moving on to the NFC, I've got Tampa Bay. So, like I said, I've got Kansas City over Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. And then the NFC, I've got Tampa Bay getting the bye. Green Bay, the number two seed, going up against the LA Rams. Another rematch, incidentally, from the playoffs a year ago. The three seed, I've got Seattle going up against the Washington football team. That's the three-six matchup. I've got Seattle on that one. And then uh, Dallas, the number four seed, taking on Arizona. And I've got Dallas getting the job done there over the Arizona Cardinals, my sleeper team for the NFL uh, this year, slightly over Denver. Got Green Bay beating Seattle, Tampa over Dallas, and then uh, Tampa over Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. And uh, then it's to the Super Bowl, and... I think I didn't pick it yet, but Kansas City, Tampa. It's hard to I argue. I think I am going to go in a either Kansas City, Tampa. It's likely going back to KC. I'm going to take the Chiefs over the Bucks in this year's Super Bowl. And, uh,. That means that Brady just falls a little bit shy of yet another one. I would love to see Tommy get another ring. Quick update on Sammy Watkins. I'm a liar. 28 years old, out of Clemson, from Fort Myers, Florida, where they played some fine baseball. Uh, he played for the Bills from 2014 to 16, so I was mistaken. We did not have both McCordys at that time. Los Angeles Rams 17, Chiefs 18 to 20, and now the Ravens. Okay. Very... Very interesting. I guess I I forgot that fact. I was so used to seeing him in Kansas City that I forgot he played for anybody else. The Chiefs are on TV a heck of a lot more than the Bills. At least they were in those years. And that's a, that's a very good point as well, without question. Give me this, because I want to make a prediction. Tom Brady okay. is going to do it again. All right. I think he's going to win 14 so, games. So you've got the, uh, the old wily veteran... Brady and the Bucks over yep. over Casey. Uh, give me this. Let's go ahead and have me be a uh, devil's advocate. I'm gonna go with. Yeah, give me give me uh, give me the Ravens. Coming out of the coming out of the East. Okay. So a- the coming out of the AFC. Yeah, yeah, I knew what you meant. I'm still losing it. So the he's got the Ravens and the Bucks with the Bucks winning. I've got the Chiefs and the Bucks a rematch, and the Chiefs get revenge. Um, my MVP, Aaron Rodgers, his Patrick Mahomes, or as Ryan Clark likes to say, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and uh, 
Ryan Clark, a great analyst. Who are your sleepers? I mentioned Denver and Arizona as my sleepers to look out for in the NFL this year. Yours are? The Colts are better than people realize. And if Steph Gilmore signs with the Patriots, they can win 10 games. Do you have one from the NFC? That's more tricky. I mean, relative to your numbers, I'd pick the Rams. I think the Rams are good enough to win eight games, maybe sneak in the playoffs. Most improved team out of the NFC, I think, is probably the Carolina Panthers, and they might sneakily get get something happening, especially if they get a, get something rolling. Interesting. Um, any uh, prop bets or anything that we should talk about? Who's going to sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, that's a good one. I bet it's going to be uh, a veteran. The Super Bowl is going to be in, I want to say Indianapolis, but I don't think that's right. Um, I'm on it. When you, when you say a veteran, I think you mean a, a wily veteran to the music business. I'm going to go out on a limb. Maybe it's the kind of the northeastern guy in me based off the trip that I took to the northeast and whatnot, and this is a little bit further northeast than, than where I was in Boston and et cetera. I'm going to say Bruce Springsteen sings the national anthem for this year's Super Bowl. As opposed to the halftime show. As opposed to the halftime show. I've, I've got him with the anthem. Why not? So I think, by the way, it's going to be played in Inglewood, California in SoFi State. Oh, that's right. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, where the Rams play. No, I, I think that we are uh, ending 20 years of war against a concept, that concept being terror. I look forward to when we close Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, where we have been doing some things that I don't think are within the proxy of an American uh, interest. And I'm very excited to see a veteran of the United States military sing the national anthem. And that's, and that's what you mean, actually, with a veteran of the U.S. We had that lost would, be, that would be very cool. 800,000 lives, you know, $7 trillion. The war on terror is over. I'm excited for us as a country to move on. Here, here. Um, real quick, when you talk about veterans, did you see the video that I'm sure went viral of the 96-year-old man singing the national anthem at, I think it was a minor league baseball game? Yes, and he killed it. It was incredible to see him perform that. And I mean, I'm, take, I'm taking my choral critical hat off, whatnot, just to actually see that. He came out with a walker. Incredible. He- Picked up that microphone, he sang. He just went went with it. He sang with the kind of passion that we should all have for this country. Beautiful. Without question. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful job. I think with that, that will do it for this edition of the Marcus Wall Show. For Kevin, for Tyler Brown, thanks for the tune, as always. And uh, thank you all for listening into the Marcus Wall Show on this football and family extravaganza of prognostications predictions and general merriment of all for kevin i'm marcus we'll see you next time this has been the marcus walsh show and if it's about the money okay let do it and if i can't benefit oh no i just can't do it if so let do it let do it I said, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it.